Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. All right, it's good to be back in the saddle again, and uh, we really appreciate you finding us and spending a little time with us. And this is going to be a quality time that you spend with us today, right? Well, I was just wondering when you said back, I'm starting to get saddle sores. Uh, <laughs> just not getting out enough to do enough. But uh, yes, we are excited about today's show. We do have a very special guest. Really is tied to something near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is uh, the game of baseball. Absolutely. And we've all been kind of starving uh, for the past few months, it seems. God, spring training seems like a, a year ago already, doesn't it? Well, you think about it, they would have been in the third month of the season already at this point. And as of at least the recording of this podcast, they're still having difficulties between the owners and the players union. And uh, my patients are kind of wearing thin about the whole thing, to be honest. Me too. I feel the same way. We have a good baseball guest today. Yeah, on a, on a positive note, uh, this is a guy that's really been around the block and then around the county and then around the country. I think, uh, I think folks at home are really going to enjoy the interview. Our special guest on Middle Age Warriors today comes to us from the West Coast and is a baseball, I don't want to say savant, but he knows it all because he's done it all. He's a play-by-play -play guy who's on the bench right now, and we're going to talk with him. Please welcome Josh Lewin. It's great to have you with us, Josh. Thanks. Here, we'll give you some studio applause. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> fight back at you. I'm glad you guys are doing this, although uh, I got to admit, I, I read this as Middle Age Warriors at first and i thought that is right in my wheelhouse and then i found out it's warriors and uh, uh, uh I'm, I'm scrapping a little bit to get to that but if it was if it was middle-aged warriors i'd be like oh, wor that's how you could have <laughs> that's great Close. we can start a whole new thing chris i'm gonna let you jump in and lead off if you would like well, I, I think the thing about Josh, uh, first of all, thanks so much for being part of this today. We sure. really looking through your career, the teams you've done a lot of work with. First, it started where the the interesting thing about your career, my career, we both started in Rochester, New York. Apparently, is that true? Did you start in Rochester? Were you at Channel Eight, Ten, or Thirteen? Which one? Channel Eight, WROC, with uh, Jerry Fiore on the weekends and. <laughs> Uh, trying to remember who the, the sports guy, Kutchko, was there a guy, do you remember that well, name? There was, with, on, on WHEC Channel 10, I thought it was funny growing up, it was Rich Funky and Bill Pucko, it was Funky and Pucko. Oh, I right. remember, <laughs> I remember Rich Funky. You had to be so careful when you said that. It's funny, I just went down a YouTube rabbit hole, the other channel, which was ABC for Forever Channel 13, the, the mm -hmm. sports guy was a guy named Ron DeFrance. And, I, and if you guys want a good laugh, I don't even know if he's still alive, but God bless him. If you want like the archetypical 1970s guy who never got out of the 1970s in the 1980s. I mean, I'm talking about the open-throated leisure suit, you know, with the big hand-wide <laughs> collar, the, the lacquered hair. Uh, and he hosted Bowling for Dollars oh. and did a bunch of others. So, I mean, just quintessentially my childhood was watching Ronda France looking like he was, you know, uh, Denny Terrio on Dance Fever. I just always wanted to be a sportscaster. And that was growing up in Rochester, New York. That was my, uh, my scope. That was my universe. Rick Peckham, who went on to do the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey games. I wanted to be like him. A guy named Jay Colley, 
was the Rochester Red Wings baseball voice. I wanted to be like him. And that was absolutely uh, my, my childhood. I wanted to grow up and become those guys. So let me ask you, in growing up in Rochester, because, you know, it wasn't a city that had major league teams, you know, what was your choice? Where, where did you go in terms of, I mean, did you go to the roof of Buffalo Bills? And then like, where did you choose your sports? And where did you choose the teams you followed? Yeah, I was, I was it's funny. I'm wearing a Buffalo Bills t-shirt right now. If we are <laughs> in this podcast, funny you should mention that. So yeah, that was my team, the Sabres, you know, in hockey. Um, but you know, I was loyal more, I think, to, to players. I liked Freddie Patek who played for the Royals. Oh yeah. Freddie Patek. Yeah. Because he was five foot four. You yeah. know, yeah. that yeah. gave me hope. I'm like, you know, five, six. <laughs> so yeah, I, I always loved the underdog. I mean, I went to a, a high school called Brighton Hyde and never won a football game. Went to <laughs> Northwestern for college. You know, they never won a football game when I was there. And, and even now, you know, things like English soccer, I, I always pick teams that suck. I just, there's always something about the lovable underdog, which is why my years in New York with the Mets, yep. it, was, it was just perfect, you know, and, and the, I'm kind of off brand right now because, uh, you know, the, the gig that I have is UCLA, which, you know, I mean, all those championships in basketball and they, you know, had always until recently been good at football. So it's the closest to a Yankees or, you know, Notre Dame style juggernaut that I've ever had. I've always been, you know, San Diego Chargers, you know, that's the team I worked for in the NFL for forever. Always the team that could never quite get out of its own way. And I always love that underdog story. And, and you know what? Probably some of that was guys growing up in Rochester because we, we, you know, we were a little sister, you know, Buffalo on one side of us, Syracuse on the other. Rochester was kind of the forgotten kid, the middle child, literally. And uh, I think I always identified with that. Hey, Josh, if it'll make you feel more at home, um, I do collect hockey jerseys. I'm a big hockey fan, and I actually have a Rochester Amherst jersey. Oh, get out. Whose who's is it, do you know? Is it it's a, it's my, my brother had it made for me and put my name in a number one on the back because I was a goalie. Oh, wow. So but, that, that's but. something I've been doing, you know, to, to kill the time during the, the pandemic. And probably I should have been doing this for forever. You guys can appreciate this. I mean, YouTube just opens up a treasure trove to your childhood. And yeah. you know, I started remembering who were my favorite Rochester Amherst players growing up. So whatever happened to Barry Smith, whatever happened to Rene Trollet, whatever happened to Jacques Cloutier, you know, and all these guys, you know, Ron Barwishuk. Um, I mean, so I did the same thing with the Rochester Lancers soccer team and, you know, with, with, uh, with the Red Wings baseball team. So the, the last, I would say, two months, if I get some idle time, there, there, are, there are days that just turn into nights where I, do, I go on YouTube and one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and you look up and it's dark. <laughs> no, that's true. I, I find myself at night, it's like, oh, I'm going to bed early tonight. It's like I get into bed, it's, it's 10.30. Next thing I know, after going through YouTube, it's now 1.15 in the morning. Yeah. And like, what, what happened? You just get sucked into that. Let me go through really quick, because I think people need to know this, a little bit of your resume at least. Uh, and you can jump in at some point and say, okay, no, that's not right. But anyway, uh, I'm assuming the Orioles on radio 1995, the Cubs in 90, 1997 on TV on uh, WGN. That was TV. That, that was after, Chris, I got my big break jumping to, to network TV from the Orioles pre- and post-game radio, which wow. was really weird. They, they, you know, Fox was starting up baseball. You know, they had never had baseball before. Fox hadn't been a thing. You know, we, we didn't have that growing up. But they got the rights to baseball, and they were looking for young talent. They were looking for 20-something guys. And you know, they got Joe Buck, and they got Tom Brenneman, and they got Chip Carey. 
and then they ran out of famous sons. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, I was waiting uh, for that. I wanted to make that comment. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they actually, it was very fortuitous. They just, you know, they, they wanted to keep it young. They said, all right, we got these three known names. Let's just get a schmuck. Let's get somebody who knows what he knows <laughs> and we'll just kind of tweak them and craft them, you know, and, and, you know, see what we can do with them. And, it, you know, I ended up not being a, a major player on Fox. I was always like the number three guy, you know, I mean, never really ascended past that. But it was a nice, uh, you know, 15-year run with Fox, and that opened so many doors. The first one was the Cubs. It's like once they're on network television, they're like, oh, well, this guy, you know, must be okay. I wasn't ready for it at all, but the Cubs were looking to groom an heir apparent to Harry Carey, and they thought, oh, you know, here's this hotshot 20-something kid that Fox must think is, you know, has got something. I really didn't. I wasn't ready at all. But, yeah, spent a year in Chicago carrying Harry's briefcase around. <laughs> I got to tell you, Josh, I mean, it's an amazing story. And if I were looking for information and who to reach out to and how to get a hold of them, what I wouldn't do to get a look at your Rolodex. <laughs> well, I've, I've, you know, just in broadcasting, it's been fascinating. I've been so blessed. And, I, you know, a lot of the guys I grew up listening to, I got to work with. I mean, when I was in Baltimore, it was John Miller and Chuck Thompson. Oh my uh, yeah, Chuck the Hall of Famer. John's the Hall of Famer. I used to love listening to Ernie Harwell. You could, you know, pull in those games from WJR in Detroit growing up in Rochester. And you Ernie's that up. Great in the booth when I go to Detroit to do uh, Tigers after I did the Cubs. And having gone to Northwestern, you know, Harry was was the big guy. You know, I mean, I loved Harry Carey. So I got to work with him, got to work with Ernie Harwell. Uh, you know, Kurt Gibson is my partner in Detroit. I mean, he was one of my heroes growing up. So, you know, on and on and on including my time with Fox, where I got to work with guys like George Brett and Frank Robinson and Tim McCarver and just, I mean, so yeah, I'm really, really lucky. I got to cross paths with a lot of the greats in broadcasting and in, in baseball. To that real quick, uh, we were able to watch, I, I was in New Jersey at the time and, and be able to watch because WGM was a superstation. One of my dreams was to, find, was to go to Wrigley Field and see Harry Carey sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. By the time I finally got to Wrigley Field, sadly, he had passed. It was the year, actually, the Cubs went on to finally win the World Championship. But for you, what, what was Harry Carey like? When you first are sitting next to these iconic-type people, because I've had my own experiences, uh, at first you're a little overwhelmed, and then you realize, hey, they're just one of us. And where, where did you sit in terms of, of that when you first were in that booth with Harry Carey? Well, Harry was the only tough one, to be honest with you. I mean, he, the short story is, did not want me to have that job. He wanted his grandson, Chip, to have that job. <laughs> oh, he was offered the chip, uh, but he had turned it down. But nobody had told Harry that. He, you know, they just thought the WGN did this end run to get some other hot shot. Uh, so I had, you know, I had no chance. Harry just hated the, he didn't hate me personally. He just hated the thought of me, you know, that I was not his grandson. Wow. So frankly that was a very tough year cubs got out 0 and 14 i'm the new guy you know so oh. i'm the guy that's you know bringing the plague upon the cubs house uh you know and harry doesn't want me around so it, it got pretty uncomfortable and when the tigers called and said you know do you want to jump i really didn't i had a three-year contract with gn but uh it just you know it, it looked like a, a no-win situation it was going to be miserable and I, you know i at that point had a uh, a young daughter. I mean, she was two turning three. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to be stomping around the house with all these problems at work. I'd like to be in an environment that's more pleasant. So even though, uh, you know, the Tigers were certainly not iconic at that point, like the Cubs, 
it made sense to leave. And, and you know, I, I always appreciated Harry for who he was. I understood why he, he didn't warm to me. I, I really didn't take it personally. And, you know, th this thing had kind of a weird coda to it that, you know, I had agreed to go to Detroit, had told the Cubs what was going to happen, told WGN. They whispered it to Harry that, yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to break the bank to bring in Chip. You're going to get your wish. Josh is leaving. Everything is lining up so you can hand the baton off to Chip. And then uh, before that all became public, Harry dropped dead. Uh, it was Valentine's Day. He was out in Palm Springs. And, and, and this is how I want to go if I got to go. He was on yeah. the dance floor with his wife when he oh. over and died. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, so Harry never got to actually be in the booth with Chip, but at least he got to die knowing that that was going to happen and that everything was in place. I want to kind of dial you back. You were born in 1968. So good good for you. You were alive when the Mets won that World Series. Yeah, I don't remember. I both yeah. remember. Right. But I want to ask you, um, baseball card-wise, did you collect cards, baseball, hockey, any other cards? What was your first card? What was the one you wanted to have? What's the one you still have that you look at and say, God, I remember that from when I was a 10-year-old kid? It's so funny that you mentioned all of that because I am the, the geeky kid that does remember his first baseball card, and it was Buzz Capra of the Atlanta Braves one time that you remember. Everybody in my neighborhood was getting into baseball cards, but they weren't out yet. You know, I was just looking at everybody's sets from the year before. And back then, obviously, there's no Amazon. I mean, you know, you got to wait. You know, I mean, I was as a seven-year-old kid was told, you know, you're going to wait. And around March or April, there will be the new cards coming out. So I had all this buildup. And I'll always remember opening that pack of Topps baseball cards. And Buzz Capra was the very first one. No. I'm, not, I'm not really a collector, but, you know, it, it, this one has a... a it's it's a weird personal one and the only one that i have in a, a little uh what do you call it, a little sealant frame is of all people a guy named todd hollandsworth and the only and the reason that i have a todd hollandsworth card todd hollandsworth was rookie of the year when he broke in with the dodgers and everybody thought he'd be you know a hall of famer at that point that he could just write his own ticket he ended up having a decent career wasn't great he bounced around but, you know, he played, he was a solid guy for a good long time, good family man, good dude, just never really got to the, the top of the mountain. And I decided probably about six, seven years ago when I was just getting into middle age, and I'm telling you guys this story because <laughs> this is the podcast, right? That, mm -hmm. you know, when you ponder your own professional mortality and, and I guess your own mortality in general, that's kind of, I couldn't put my finger on it until I remembered the career of Todd Hollinsworth. That's kind of what I was feeling like. It's like, you know, in my 20s, I'm on national television. Uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to be a billionaire. And I can write my own ticket. And it doesn't always quite work out that way. I had a decent run at it, you know. I mean, doing Mets radio and being there for a World Series appearance in 2015, that doesn't suck. You know, I, I, I was fine. And I've had a workmanlike, solid career. But I, I'm, I'm not a Hall of Famer. So I got the Todd Hollinsworth card, and I put it in that little uh, glass case or frame or whatever. And I've got it on my desk just to remind myself that, you know what? This guy won. He didn't lose. You know, he, he, right. he's got a nice family. He had a nice career. That's all I, I really could have aspired to, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think, I think the place to put things like this, Josh, because I've kind of – I think there's a little bit of a parallel even in my career with, with yours to that extent is that – you know, there are so many people who would have loved 
who have had the career you've had, or even I've had, we don't realize that we're looking what we didn't achieve. But I think middle age for me, at least, and I don't know about you, and it sounds like for you as well, you're realizing how much you really did achieve and what a, what a blast this has been. What a great ride this has been. I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting a sense that you sort of feel the same way. Oh, 100%. And I know it's super cliche, but the whole enjoy the journey thing, that completely lost on me in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. Because it was a, you know, it's a male ego thing. What Once I actually got in the arena, it became a race, you know, to see if I could finish first. And so, you know, being the number three guy at Fox suddenly wasn't enough. I had to be the number two guy. And if I was going to be the number two guy, I'd have to be the number one guy. And you know, that, what a waste of my time. To, to be, you know, torturing myself like that. I could have just enjoyed, even when I, was in, when I was in the minor leagues, I could have just enjoyed that. Just, you know, you'd be happy where you're planted and, and grow from there. And that's something I can teach my kids now because with age comes wisdom and that's great. But, you know, boy, to, to do it over again, to have a mulligan and go back and actually enjoy, hey, wow, you know, I'm getting paid to, to do, uh, you know, some random Cardinals Reds game for Fox television it's going to 18% of the country. That's pretty awesome. I'm getting a paycheck for this. Somebody else's <laughs> game is going to 30% of the country. That means I lose. You know, I'm, I'm in Cincinnati instead of a Dodger Stadium right now, so that sucks. No, it doesn't. It's still great. And that's only something that, yeah, in your 40s and 50s, I think you, you can compartmentalize and do better with because when you're in the race, it's just all about beating the hell out of the competition. And you look back on that, and that's wrong. It was never about that. Mm -hmm. Josh, where does that come from? I mean, do you sound so grounded and dare I say it, and I'll put it in air quotes, so mature and so seasoned. It's, I mean, is that something that's taught to you through the family tree or is it something you see uh, with other professionals that you've worked with over the years? I, that's a great question. And Rick, to be honest with you, and this is not a, a slight against my family, but no, I think that's a journey we all have to take on our own. Mm -hmm. And you, you can hear well-intentioned advice, but you don't really process it until you actually, uh, you know, walk down the road and, and, and do it yourself. And, you know, and it's funny you say that, you, I mean, there's thought that I'm mature. I'm, I'm sitting here in an old Buffalo Bills t-shirt and flip-flops, so I, I don't feel very mature. But, <laughs> but, I, but I do feel smarter and, and more peaceful and happier because it's almost like you can, you can choose not to run so to speak. You, you can choose just to live life on your terms. And, and to be completely honest, my, I'm remarried now. My second wife, Stacy, is such a blessing because she knew this stuff somehow when she was five, where it was just like, you know, something happens in your life. You can, you can rebuke it if you want to. You can just not accept it. You can send the steak back to the kitchen if it's not cooked right. And I, I didn't know that till I was well into my 40s. It's just like, you know, well, you, you know, this is what you have to do and this is what you have to feel and these are the people you have to please. And Stacy's great because she's basically like, Who's, who says? You know, how come you can't just live life by doing exactly what makes you happy? So if what makes me happy now is helping other people in whatever small way I can, that's great. I put a check mark by that. If what makes me happy is going on YouTube and watching old Rochester Lancers soccer videos, I, I do that. Uh, you know, pre-COVID, if I wanted to fly to England because I had three days off to watch my, my soccer team in the premiership and see what it would be like to have some fish and chips in Brighton, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that would be something fun to do. And it never dawned on me until I was in my late 40s that I was actually allowed 
to do that. And, uh, you know, so uh, I don't look at turning 50 now 51 as a curse. I look at it more as where has that been? Because I, I had no knowledge of any of this uh, until very recently. No, you do gain wisdom. But by the way, you know, mature is overrated. Don't worry about being called mature. <laughs> yeah. I, I prefer to go to my grave as being called immature, but that's okay. That's <laughs> another thing. But a question back to your profession and being exposed to both sides of it, radio and TV, what did you have to do style-wise? What, what did you feel were the greatest differences and, and skills you needed to switch from radio to TV or vice versa? It's so apples and oranges. I like them both. But what I decided after all that time in TV, which is something I really hadn't aspired to, I just wanted to be a radio guy. Uh, but I, I, I kind of missed the mark. I overshot it and ended up doing TV. TV is a very, uh, for a guy with anxiety, which I've always had, <laughs> that, that, that's a tough one because you are yeah. a slave to a director in your ear, a producer who wants to take you down a different road. Radio is as close to a blank easel as you can get you know nothing happens until you say it does in radio and wherever you want to take it you can do it however you want to paint it you can paint it and i love the, the creative forum that that gives you i like it it's not like i i didn't want to work with others i just was always so scared i was letting somebody else down in tv you know a director is showing you this and you want to pay off the shot you want to do him right and you know i felt like wow i, I only did like a b minus job on that I feel horrible about that. There's fewer people to let down uh, in, in, in radio, you know, pretty much only yourself and the program director. So uh, <laughs> I, I just found that for me, a guy with anxiety issues, that was a much better fit. So when I got to a place about 10 years ago, when I could, you know, either try to make it work or just jump, I jumped and, you know, left TV, left it pretty much for good. I go back every once in a while to do something, but uh, I'm just so much more comfortable in radio because of exactly that, that you get to be, I call it being Paul Revere. You're, you're the guy on the horse that's got to tell everybody the British are coming. And mm -hmm. that pressure I like. I like doing that. I just don't like 100,000 people staring at me while I'm on the horse. <laughs> and you don't have to shave, which is not overrated. Yeah, word and up. I was hoping to ask you, and I, I hate to do this, but at the same time, I know I'm going to be happy doing it. A funny story, baseball, hockey, basketball, something play-by-play -play related, uh, that is one that you like to share in talking with friends. Well, one that comes to mind is from Rochester. When I got going, I did it as a teenager. I, you know, I won't bore you with the long story, but there was I got lucky again. There was a general manager of the Rochester Red Wings AAA team back then who I, I basically conned into letting me do some work at the age of 16. He thought it would be, he had kind of a Barnum and Bailey mindset. Thought, yeah, you know, maybe we'll get some, some eyeballs on this if we're giving a 16-year-old a chance to, you know, jump in and, and do some things every once in a while. So wow. one, of, one of the things I got to do was I would do the post-game scoreboard show on the, on the radio. And because all I ever wanted to do was be on the radio, you know, I was Sir Lawrence Olivier. You know, you give me those scores. I'm going to read those scores for 20 minutes if you'll let me. So the, the, the guy that would hand it off to me, and he's just looking to go home. You know, he's just done a three-hour game. He just wants to go home to his wife. But, you know, here's a 16-year-old kid who now is going to do Shakespeare in the park, uh, you know, because it's his big chance. So uh, this one night, I'm going on and on and on about the scores, and he takes out a Zippo lighter, lights my score sheet on fire. So... <laughs> 
I, you know, I, I noticed this about half, so I, I start reading very quickly, you know, the, the Rangers beat the, uh, the Astros five to four and this team beat this team three to two. <laughs> when I'm trying to blow on the, you know, so, and, and I throw it to break, or at least I thought I threw it to break and I started cussing them out. You asshole. How are we oh, doing no. that? Oh, Holy shit. I almost caught on fire. Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, this is the mid 1980s and you know, you guys know the FCC well enough. Uh, long story short, <laughs> yes. they had not, they had not gone to break. I had thrown it to break, but the guy oh, hit the right button. So, you know, it's, I thought my career was over at 16 years old. Here lies the guy that swore on the radio for 10 seconds in a row. Uh, and again, lucky break. You know, everybody thought it was funny. Nobody got completely cheesed off about it. But uh, yeah, when I, you know, and it's funny, again, what you think is the end of the world when you're not middle-aged yet. At 16, I thought my whole career had just gone up in smoke. And, you know, various things had happened along the way. Uh, you know, the, the situation with Harry, for example, in Chicago. You know, how will I ever work in this town again? How will I ever get another job? What are people going to think of me? Nobody cares, you know? I mean, you, you just, just, you know, be quiet, do your work, move on. If, if something happens that doesn't go well, there's going to be another crisis befalling somebody else tomorrow. You know, it's going to be old news and just, but, but, but you don't know that when you're 16 or 26, you take everything so seriously. So true. So true. What, uh, Josh, what is the call that you're most proudest of having made? The one that you, you felt retrospectively, I nailed that one. Ooh, is that one great, that sticks out? That's a great question. I, I, I was lucky enough in around 03, 04 to do some playoff baseball for Fox and I know they were super happy when anytime they get a Yankees Red Sox series, the, the, the suits love that because it's ratings out the butt. And uh, I, I had a Yankees Minnesota Twins American League Division series that, that finished up with the Yankees coming from behind and winning. And I, I just remember the, the call, uh, you know, made some reference to the fact it was going to be Yankees Red Sox for a second year in a row. And I, I remember that got played over and over on the highlights and Fox loved that. But uh, I'm thinking for me personally, you know, even though the Chargers never went to a Super Bowl, uh, there were a couple of big moments in my, I think it was 12 years doing their games with Amy and Tomlinson, winning some games for them and setting some records. And I would, would have to think that some of the, the NFL calls that I made were, were probably the ones that stuck to the tape the best. You have, as Chris has mentioned, and I totally concur, an incredible resume. What haven't you done that you want to do? That, well, you know, all the things I want to do now, it's funny that you asked me that now, Rick, because before, and by before, I mean like two, three years ago, it was all centered around sports casting stuff. You know, there's nothing I want to do now that I'm not looking to pivot completely away, but I mean, you asked me what do I want to do now that I haven't accomplished. I, I want to go to Machu Picchu. I want to take my wife to the Amalfi Coast. Uh, you know, I mean, those We're are the things. Thumbs up on, on this end from both of us. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. with you. Well, you know, it, let alone, you know, see what I can do in a different arena. You know, I mean, I'm not so I, I've gotten the podcasting bug just like you guys. And I started this thing called the Throwback League. That's basically, you know, make believe baseball recreating games that never happened, if, if that makes sense. And I'm having a ball with it. You know, I mean, it's just, so, you know, doing things creatively, making things that weren't there before. That's kind of my my new thing. And I'm realizing that 10 years from now, I might have a whole different new thing. Uh, I got into, of all things, esports at the age of 50. Um, EA Sports called and said, uh, you know, do you want to do our uh, our Madden Bowl 
series. Wow. You know, so I, I'm you know, wow. when, when COVID-19 hit, that means doing it from your living room. They basically sent me a TV studio and I set it up in my living room and called the, the Madden Bowl, you know. So uh, I, I say no to very few things these days. Uh, and, and I guess that's a good thing. But in terms of what I what I still want to accomplish three years ago, I would have joked and said, well, you know, I, I haven't done, you know, Canadian uh, NHL hockey yet. So I'm really looking to get the Winnipeg Jets job because that's like one of the <laughs> jobs I haven't had yet. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not embarrassed that I've had so many jobs in sports casting. I mean, it, my resume looks like I'm a hobo. You know, I just like bounce around. <laughs> you know, sport. But you know, I look back on that now. It's like, no, you know what? Like you guys said at the top, I got to work with all these different people, learn all these different things, live in all these different cities, connect with all these different fan bases. It would have been nice to be Ernie Harwell, you know, be in Detroit for 46 years. Vin Scully's a better example, you know, be the, just the voice of the Dodgers for 62 years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that wasn't my path. I got to be a guy that, that bounced around, but still got a nice paycheck for doing it. And I, I wouldn't do it any other way over again. Well, I think well, well said. And, you know, we had a guest on a while back and we talked about you hit this age and it's not so much reinventing yourself, but there's an evolution of yourself and an evolution of your career. With that, by the way, kind of on a lighter note, something I, I noticed you were doing, the pandemic has not quite slowed down your play-by-play -play talents. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about the play-by-play -play about microwaving a taquito. Oh, God. So just when the, when the thing first hit, I mean, in mid-March, and I was doing – so I do UCLA now, football and basketball, and UCLA basketball was in Vegas uh, getting ready for the, the Pac-12 tournament. And I, I get sent home from that because here's this thing. We don't know what it is, but it looks like we're all going to be hemmed in for a while. And upon the realization there's just no sports right now, I just started doing play-by-play -play of the most random stuff I could, which is, yes, you know, putting a burrito in a microwave or doing the lawn <laughs> or walking the dog or, you know, whatever. So I just posted them on social media, a couple of them, and the feedback was so uh, incredible. I posted a couple more and a couple more. I ended up doing like 25 of them. And then to your point, you know, Chris, it's interesting. I, you know, once I got to 25 of them and it started being like this, I, I hate to say viral right now, but this viral uh, sensation where people were clamoring for more and more and more. I was, was kind of like, eh, you know, it's, it's played out. You know, I've done it already. So I, now I want to try something else. And that's when the Madden Bowl showed up. And that's when I, you know, I, I put together a jumping bean, Mexican jumping bean racing league that I was, yeah. and then put that on YouTube to raise some money for COVID-19 relief. And, you know, so I guess I'm just always looking for what is not being done now and trying to do that instead of what's everybody else doing. Cause I just rather go off and, and, and do something on my own. You could be our new president. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Josh, I, I do want to ask you from an inside perspective, how much you miss baseball and will we see baseball? this year well at this recording uh, yeah i think we will i mean if the the pandemic doesn't you know keep us off our, our haunches again i mean who knows how it's going to all flare up and uh, i hope everybody's out there doing their social distancing and wearing their masks and not being a big a-hole right now but um I, I'm confident they're going to have a season i think it's horrible the way they've just bickered back and forth to get to this point it's embarrassing, but yeah, it's nothing like what should have been, but my guess is, as you and 
and I are recording this, somewhere in the 50 to 60 game range and everybody kicking and screaming about it, but at least there will be baseball, yeah. I certainly hope so. I mean, because I, to be perfectly honest, as a baseball fan all of my life, since I was about five, I'm a little angry right now if in the midst of all of this, money gets in the way of the fact that we cannot see fresh MLB games to make people and make this country, uh, which has been through a lot, feel a little bit better. It, this is where the money issues, I think, should be dropped aside a little bit. Suck it up. This is the American pastime. Prove it. Oh, you're, you're exactly right. And it, it's so counter to, I guess, what I have been, you know, the hill that I've been dying on here is, you know, this is exactly the time to do something for somebody else. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't normally put a, a Mexican jumping bean racing league together to try <laughs> to raise money, you know, I mean, but it's, look, we all, we all need a laugh right now. We all need a break and we got to raise money for other people who need it, you know? Right. So let, let's step outside ourselves a little bit. And baseball's done the opposite. It's all this navel gazing and completely selfish behavior. And it's a terrible thing to model when baseball should be the, the, the one thing, the one truly American thing that's modeling. This is how we do it, guys. We're, we're going to put our personal thoughts aside. You know, both sides here, you know, the players and the owners are, well, nothing happens in a vacuum. You got to consider, no, this is a vacuum. This mm -hmm. is exactly what it is. This is the vacuum. You know, this is the pandemic. Nothing's normal right now. Forget about all the rhetoric. We'll do that again in 2021 when there's a vaccine. Right now, this is what we got. Let's just play some ball. Yeah, and on that note, I think we're going to end on an upbeat note. Josh, okay. it has been such a joy to sit and talk with you, and I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here and say, can we do this again? Yeah, we can do this again. Uh, hopefully when, when there's some, some better stuff going on in the world, because it's Amen. more fun to talk about, you know, spend our time doing that instead of the other. But I will say to you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm appreciative that you're thanking me, but thank you because this is a, it's a great idea, uh, you know, to, to just kind of talk a lot of this stuff out. So even if there wasn't a pandemic, you know, you, you start coming up on 50 or even 40, whatever you consider to be middle age. I was joking with you guys when I'm 51. <laughs> so apparently I'm going to live to 102 if, if you're calling me middle aged. but I'm going to be 120. Chris will be 118. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, we're all apparently doing pretty well. <laughs> but no, it, I think it's important. And, and you know, to, to do a, a view kind of thing for for dudes, I, I think is actually a, a really strong idea. And just to talk some stuff out and be there for each other uh, and, and see if we all have some things in common. I think it's a really, really cool idea. So thank you guys for doing it. Well, thanks for thanks thank for being our guest. Anytime, Great. guys. Stay, stay safe. You too, Josh. You as well. All right, guys. Be well. Catch up Peace. soon. Oh my God, how great was that? Chris, I got to tell you, I'm blown away. Um, yeah, what, what a good known guy. Josh off, off and on over the years, but to be able to sit and hear what he has to say, he was great. A, a genuine guy, genuine soul that's that's been through a lot in terms of just his career. And now hearing his story and shifting as you approach middle age, which is what the show uh, Believe in Middle Age Warriors is all about. I think he's, a, he's really a perfect example of it. And that's why... I would love to continue the conversation with him down the road somewhere to talk about how he is now moving forward with his life and that, you know, you get driven, you know, it. you were, you were in it in radio. I was in it in TV. You get driven and driven and driven. You get caught up in that thing and you start to disconnect from your soul a little bit and who you really are. And you hit middle age and you do this self-evaluation. I think that's the process he's in right now as much as we Yeah. Do. Yeah. And that's the thing about this whole, uh, pandemic is it's given everybody 
uh, more time to think about life than they could have ever imagined. That's good for some people, not so good for some other people, I know. <laughs> but on that note, uh, wow, Josh was just a, a joy to talk with, and I'm so glad we were able to get him, and I hope that we can do it again. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and I look forward to it. By the way, uh, I would recommend to people, if they can, to go look on his Twitter account, and that's where you can see some of these really funny play-by-play -play interviews. He's got a play-by-play -play about stacking minestrone soup in the closet, uh, opening up a lemonade packet. It, it, it sounds ridiculous when I say it. Believe me, it's actually very, very funny and a good way to get some laughs. And I guess with that, uh, I want to wish everybody to stay well, stay safe, stay healthy, and of course, until next time, sunshine always. Be good, feel good. When you see a fork in the road, take it. Thanks, Yogi. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.